Welcome to the Tej Talks podcast. Forget the property celebrities. We speak to relatable people with fascinating journeys, just like you. Hosted by Tej Singh, we bring you new stories, life-changing deals, and expert advice every week. Oh, well, hello there. Don't mind me, I'm just reading uh, this month's Your Property Network magazine. I'm on page 27, and there's this uh, really interesting chap on here called Craig. Funnily enough, he is the guest on today's podcast. Yes, a celebrity award finalist winner in property is on the Tesh Talk show. I have made it. So, it's a really interesting story. Um, in 19, he bought his first house. He had no money, um, borrowed from his brother, borrowed from his dad. And he actually made a £65,000 profit on that without really intending to. After that, they um, had a f- another flip, which completed and released £120,000 of profit. And actually, fast forward to where we are now. Um, Craig and his business partner, Martin, both have... 39 rooms divided between eight HMOs between them. And that's a nice amount. Um, Craig operates in Yorkshire, so he's a Yorkshire man. I don't know if that was a good accent, but I tried. So this is quite an interesting one because Craig is really hands-on. Like he likes to be on site and his sort of background is from, you know, trades. So he really knows what's happening on site and if any of the tradesmen are messing around. So look, buy the magazine. Uh, if it's not too late, and look at the pictures of his property because it looks fantastic. So a really quick reminder before I hand over to Craig, if you are taking value from Tej Talks and you like hearing my voice every week, which of course, why would you not, right? Um, please leave a review on iTunes, the podcast app, um, and the Facebook page. Send me a DM. Let's have a chat. I'm in London most of the time. Let's meet up for a coffee or for food. Even better, Nando's is literally the best thing to to talk property over. Um, I'd I'd love to connect and, and learn more about you. Craig Mitchell. Greetings, hello, and welcome to the Tej Talks podcast. Good evening. Thanks for having me. That is no problem at all. You know, I think you and me have been connected on Facebook for quite a while now. And it's funny because I think if someone looked at your pictures on Facebook and on Instagram, they might get you confused for a builder, not a property investor, um, for for someone who's very hands-on in their investment, which against most, you know, the property gurus and celebrities, they all say, well, you know, no, leverage it out. So let's talk about what you were doing before property. If you were doing anything before property, who were you? Uh, property has been a part of my life since I was 19. So it's about 60, well, I'm 36. So the numbers out, about 16, 17 years. Um, that's when I bought my first one. Um, I, I left school at 16 and then uh, got a kitchen fitting course. Um, I just got what I could, to be honest with you. I left school with no qualifications and I just wanted to work. So that got me into the trade um, and the tools wise and understanding that. Um, and the houses come really from watching Property Ladder Um and the interest and in seeing how they did it and smashed them to bits. And I just thought, yeah, it's something I'd really love to do. 
Um, so fast forward from 16 to 19. Um, I found I found an house on a street that I lived, um, and I I could see it were in a bad way. It's an old lady or something lived there, and I thought I'll uh, I'll post a letter. So I posted a letter and uh, I didn't hear anything for about six months, and then I got a phone call saying no, we've um, the my mum's died, bless her, whatever whoever lived there, and um, so we've got your letter. Would like to sell it to you if possible if, you, if, if you're interested so they got it valued i didn't have any money um, or anything like that so i asked my brother to get me a mortgage and my dad lent me 12 and a half to do it up on a five percent return um so that where it started really we did that up give my brother halves of profit we made about 55 60 000, um on that so it, it gave my brother 30 000, me 30 000 to go off and do his own things um, he put his into his steel business and I put I kept mining property and off I went um, and I've just been flipping for myself living in them and doing them up and for customers right up to when I were about 30 about 31 so about five years ago when that's when I stepped it up and and, and started the the property really uh, as a pension push really wow uh, so yeah and from 31 i mean how how, the, how that came about is my now business partner martin wolford approached me when the recession hit um i was doing iron kitchens at the time and it all quietened off and and he says well i'll um i'll buy an house you can do it up for me and i've said you have no chance no chance <laughs> i'll uh we'll go 50 50 um so that's what we did and then yeah, we we flipped quite a lot, made an house into flats, um, kept hold of that, rented it out, removed all his money, um, did a few more flips, bought another one, removed all his money, rented that one out, and then that's when the because Martin business partner is a a footballer, so he's a lot of time on road, um, even more more the educated side, um, so he was reading books a lot podcasts and stuff like that and he, he was just reading a lot on property a lot and that's when he um, he came up with a book property magic by Simon uh, Zucci whatever um, and that's where the, then it stemmed from really the different strategies and what you could do and we yeah we ended up on a um, property course accelerator um, through pin and then, yeah, the rest is, yeah, we knew then the HMO strategy worked. We had a property that we could, that we owned and rented out. The tenant luckily were moving on, so we just, we converted that straight into his HMO and it was, yeah, it just, we haven't looked back since. Wow. So if we, if we focus on that first property, how much yeah. did you buy it for? Do you remember? Uh, 60,000. So... I think, you know, buying a house at that age, whether it's to live in or whether it's, you know, for an investment, which requires a bigger deposit, is quite an achievement. I mean, at the time, did you kind of think, wow, like, you know, I, I bought a house so young, which a lot of people are struggling to do, or did it not really hit you? Was it just sort of a part of business and it, life? It would just, just me in general, just seems to wing everything. Um, I just, because of the inferior, my brother were putting it up, he had a good job. Um, and he knew I'd work because um, I, I, I loved it. So 
I didn't really have a fear. It's just jump straight into it. Just that's what I do. I I, I learn as I go. Um, I mean, if you make a little mistake, it's how you rectify it and move on. Um, Touchwood, I've not made a, a massive problem where it's created any financial loss. Um, mm. So then it took you, you know, quite a few years before you kind of, I guess, maybe took it more seriously, went on a course, decided a strategy, kind of got very focused about it. In that time that you were sort of doing property, did you ever think, hold on, you know, I need to have a target of X amount of income, X many properties, or were you just kind of having fun with it, living life, making money and kind of just, yeah, going with the flow? Uh, at the time, just going with flow, just enjoying it, going from one to other and a different, just a buzz from each one. Um, it's only recently really I've decided to sit down and, and, and have a look at actually planning and what I want and where it's, it's not really financial. Um, it's more planning of what I want to get into and, and hit them goals. Um, because I've always flipped and done, I haven't got a big mortgage um, and that sort of thing. So it's the money side of it isn't, it's not really that if, if, if it makes sense. Um, yeah. So then like how, so 17 years ago is when you started, right? So that's yeah. nearly as old as I am. Well, no, a bit older than that. <laughs> um, you know, what, like, what has changed since, since then for you personally? So I know obviously lending and Brexit and all this stuff has changed, but in your kind of experience, and I guess in your market, what are some of the biggest changes you've seen? Um, I mean, in the majority of the time that I've been investing with, it's just been a slow market. There's nothing really in the past 10, 12 years, whatever it is, in my area, it's just been, I have not really seen any change. The house prices have just, they've steadily been moving up back to when the recession hit, but there's a lot more, I don't know if it's because I'm in the game that I know who's in the area and who's investing and stuff like that, but it's it's getting harder and harder to drop on properties. Um, I've noticed that with flips, pretty much really struggle to get them unless the director vendor. Um, and I can remember back then I could I could drop from flip to flip. Um, so other than that, yeah, there's. So it's been a quite a a big increase in competition in your area, and I think a lot yeah. of investors. Would, would probably agree with you in, in their respective areas. I'm sure there's some pockets where it's really kind of straightforward, but like, are these investors like from London, for example, who see the prices up there and go crazy, or are they like local people who've got more knowledge? Like, what do you think it is? Um, a bit of both. Um, we are seeing a lot more outside investors, and I think of recent past few years with me on social media, I think I brought the attention to my, my area probably a bit too much um <laughs> but yeah i mean there's a lot of friends who i've got in trades have seen again what i've been doing and they've bought a few investment properties for the pensions and stuff so um yeah i think there's just a lot more seeing it now and they're not getting anything in the bank so i think there's a lot of people just seeing that opportunity that it's probably better off in bricks and mortar yeah and what is your investment area geographically I'm in the Wakefield area, just outside Wakefield. Hmm, um, okay. About I'm about 14, 15 miles away from Leeds. 
Mm, okay, Leeds, the birthplace of Keith Lemon, one of my idols. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, in terms of you mentioned social media now, like how important has social media been to your success in property? And it may not have been at all. It's ma- massive, to be honest with you. At the beginning, um, somebody said to me, "Look, you need to. Be, why don't you post anything on social media about what you do?" As well, I, I don't want my friends to jump in and because a lot of my friends are site based uh, banter and effing and je- <laughs> effing and jeffing a lot. So I thought I'd, I didn't want that to come across and investors and people see it. Um, so I, I were a bit hesitant on it, but she says if I did it regular and stuff like that, leave it, forget about it, and leave me alone. So that's what I did. Um, to be honest with the social media and has been absolutely fantastic. Um, both Instagram and Facebook, I get a lot of questions if I post things and people starting out and that sort of thing. So it's again, investors, um, just cause they can see what you're doing. Uh, and even if sometimes if the, the little things, what people pick up on, um, and I've, I've got a lot from helping other people to prepare, showing them around and, and different things of, of what we do. So, yeah, there is, it's it's something I try and push more. I tend to fall out with myself because I, I, I do it in waves where I'll do a lot and then I seem to just fall away. Mm. Uh, but that's just the general day-to-day business where you're busy and you, I just it's hard sometimes just to get a little picture in or... Uh, a bit of a write-up it's it's yeah it's just one of them really you've just got to try and make time but also what's most important is get the projects yeah absolutely i think consistently consistency is is key to to any business right just like with your projects just like with anything and with social media you know people especially us millennials you know we have a very short attention span if we're not being reminded of something or someone, you know, but we'll forget. Um, yeah. And it's all about keeping that attention with that consistency. So have you ever had someone approach you to like give you money, you know, for investment or for a return or for JV because of social media? Yeah. Yeah. Quite, uh, quite a few. How much do you um, think you've got total roughly? Just so I, w- I want to understand the power of social media for you. Oh, the, the money that's, um, be, I mean, through social media, I've done, I've met people through social media that's brought the investment, um, and that's probably clocking up to. It won't be far away, off a million, I bet now. So hold on, hold on. Say that number again. About a million. Okay, probably, so it might be shy. It'll be around. I mean, without me sat thinking no, about. No, no, you know, about a million is 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 good because what essentially you've said is that. By posting pictures of what you're doing, so you're not creating content, you're documenting your, your yeah. life, posting truths, learnings, experience, which again is your life, um, helping people, commenting, meeting people, you know, doing things that like us humans sort of naturally do, you've got almost a million pounds in investment. Now, if anyone says, you know, social media is just for looking at, you know, pictures of holidays and looking at paid adverts from, you know, bank company, you know, all that kind of stuff. Like it definitely isn't because you've just proven 
you are literally documenting your life and you've gained you've been given up to around a million pounds in investment pretty much through kind of facebook and networking like that's incredible right it is bonkers when you think of it that way yeah (laughs) and you know and you're you're beating yourself up because you're not consistent enough but you know you're laughing because you've got a million from not even being consistent enough i mean imagine if you know imagine the, the consistency levels were even higher what there could be or what others could achieve right and do you think you're posting anything special or unique or do you think anyone can replicate what you've done um i think anyone really i think if you're busy and you just you seem to be doing something that's moving you forward then i think it's all positive i pick up on a lot of stuff from people that aren't trades based and i suppose on the sourcing side and you just pick things up and I think it all helps. I think if you if you're seen and in and around it, it's um, yeah. I think it all helps. Mm, no, for sure. And you've you've proven that, right? So anyone listening who's not active on social media, like you know, start building yourself a brand. You know, like Craig didn't necessarily sit there and say, you know what, this is my brand X Y Z. I'm gonna be this. I'm gonna be that. He was just himself, which is his yeah. brand, and and that led to all this investment, right? Um, I also have a a top five brand worksheet which i can send to anyone just give me a shout if you want to kind of look at some of the tips that i know craig is using to get this kind of investment so let's kind of jump back to your deals so after you left your training and by the way how um how important or or kind of life-changing as cheesy as it sounds was that education for you um it was mind-blowing to be fair the I thought I knew everything in property. I thought you bought, you either flipped it or you rented it, sold it, that sort of thing. That was it. Nobody can show me or tell me what I can do. And I sat in that room for three days. I came, I actually came away from it. Not My mind was just blank and the train home from Birmingham, it was just, the snippets were coming out. Wow, what about this? And it was just, it was absolutely crazy um, for me to think that I knew everything as well. Um, but the different options, the service accommodation and the HMOs, the option agreements, rent to rents, it was just, yeah, it was absolutely bonkers. It just opened up a total new, a new property game to us. It was, yeah. Mm. And so before, no, let's let's talk about your whole property career from, from 19 to now. How many properties have you flipped? It's going to be, I'd say, between 30 and 40. Okay, and then what, you know, if I had to put you on the spot and say, what are the three most important things to look for and consider when flipping is a strategy of yours? What would you advise everyone? Old, old looking. Um, pretty much that's that's my, uh, <laughs> that's, that's my lot right there. Um, yeah, just in a rundown state, you can just pretty much an empty um yeah but how do you so for example let let me ask more specific questions how do you so i live in west london near heathrow airport for example yeah yeah how do i find an area near me that is going to have a strong flipping market i.e lots of old houses but also lots of people wanting to buy new houses all right as in yeah there's i've not really looked for that i've just i've always invested in my area which i knew really well so 
have not certain areas which when you're brought up an area you know what areas are bad and what areas are good and what to stay clear from so um being brought up and in around this I've, I've not had to go somewhere else to research or anything like that so um on that one yeah it's just a matter of just scrolling through my area within my little bubble and and keeping my eye out for what for what ticks a box really mm. and then what you know when it comes to actually flipping how long is the you know, does the process taking you on average to go from let's say exchange of contracts to the next set of exchange of contract, if that makes sense. Um, so the the projects, it, I mean, it varies obviously depending on size, but you could have, I've had some that have been six week right up to about 14, 14 week, um, and then your sales process again could be all depends if it's going in a chain or anything like that, but it it's it's slow. Is the flipping side you you need a good quite a few projects on the go, I think to make that to make that work as as a as a full time job. Um, in my eyes, you'd probably need three or four on go, constantly rolling um, to keep that. Other than that, you're tying that money up for that period of time. Sure. And and how much money in cash, you know, pre tax, literally just kind of pure profit on the spreadsheet do you aim to make from every flip? Is there like a minimum or? Um, when I were doing it for love, it was between 10 and 20,000. That's roughly where we'd, we'd aim to to go for. Because at that time, it would just we were just building it up and just roll it on into the next. Mm. And... Um... When you attended the course in Birmingham afterwards, you said you went out and got a HMO? We already had a house that we were renting out. Um, yeah, so we knew that suited the layout um, of basically a four-bed HMO straight away. Um, so, yeah, it, luckily the tenant said he, he was thinking of moving out anyway, so we just approached him and said, look, where are you with it? And do you want us to try and find you somewhere else? And, and that's what we did. Hmm. So then what were the, so what was the cost of converting that into like a, an, a, an official HMO? Um, I think it was 16500 Okay. And then did it rent out well? Is it still rented out? Is it bringing it's, in a good income? It's full now. Um, it's been full since I finished it, and with tenants moved in, be- well, not moved in, but we filled it before we'd finished the property. So, yeah, there were pressure on to get it finished for a moving in date. Mm. What kind of tenants have you got in it? Um, I wouldn't say professionals in our area. I'd say grafters. Um, although we do have a few police officers and nurses, um, but yeah, we get a lot of. We've got a lot of uh, industrial areas. We have been said that we have got the power stations, which we do get a lot of travelling um, welders, pipe fitters, engineers, them them sort of guys, um, motorway workers, and that sort of thing. So we get a mixture really, but a lot of them are yeah, they're into the grafters really sure. travelling. And then, how much does that HMO bring in, in a month on like profit straight into your pocket kind of thing? Um. Off the top of my head, I think it's about eight hundred. Okay, uh, is that normal for your area? 
That, yeah, pretty much for a four bed, something like that is, yeah, round about those numbers. I mean, I can't remember what we bought it for. I think it was about, I think it was 60, about 65, 67 we bought it for. Um, again, I think it will value, the end value were about 100, 110. So we, I think we did take out a lot of his money on that one because it's won quite a few years ago now. I struggled to remember last week, to be fair. So Fair enough. And then, um, like, when you did this course, you got the HMO, you got a nice bit of cash flow coming in. Um, yeah. What, like, what were your thoughts moving forward? Like, do you, like, what was your plan then? Was it to get loads of HMOs and cash flows? Was it to do a bit of flips? Or was it a mixture of everything? It was... HMOs. That's all we saw. We knew we could we could build that that um, that income up quick. Because um, as we'd finished, as we were starting that, we'd just finished as last flip. Um, so we were waiting on the sale of not the sale, the remortgage of that because we were going to rent it out. Um, it were a flip. We'd just made fifty fifty thousand on. Um, so it's. Yeah, we bet. I think we come out with that with about hundred twenty thousand in cash. What would obviously what we purchased it for and, and what have you. Um, so we had a good pot to to then say right, let's attack it. Let's go and find some HMOs and buy. So I think then we went out and bought two, and then we just gone from that then to the point we're just from one to the other until mm-hmm. we run out until we run out of money. <laughs> and then with the HMOs. You know, do you pick them in strategic locations or? Um, just in my area, just the towns that I'm in. Um, I've not had to venture out yet. I've not really gone into the centre of Wakefield. Um, there's demand where I am and I'm local. I'm, fa- I'm, I'm probably five minutes away from any house. Um, so I can keep an eye on them, look after them. Yeah, and that's, that's what mm. works really. And then speaking of HMOs, you are a finalist for a HMO award. Am I right? Tell us more. Yeah, the Property Investor Awards. We got nominated, um, it might have been a couple of months ago now, and we've gone through the through that stage to, to make the finalists. So I think we're one of four um, in the finalists in London on the 1st of December, which I still can't I can't get my head around, to be honest. I think it's, <laughs> it's fantastic. It is it's incredible. So, what what was it about this HMO? Do you think that got you, you know, this kind of this close to an award? I mean, to me, it was an absolute nightmare. So, for people <laughs> to see it and give me an award for it, it's um, yeah, it, it gets rid of the. I won't say the bad taste in your mouth. It, it was just as complicated. Well, I won't say complicated. It was just a stressful thing for me moving to that bigger project than my normal houses because it were a ten bed. Old post office. Well, it was an old post office with a flat that we converted into a ten bed HMO. Um, and what was the purchase price? The purchase price was one hundred and fifty. And then, how much was the refurb or the, the ref- conversion? The refurb was with everything in dressing, legals. I think about one hundred and forty. And then, what did it revalue at? Um, Four hundred. Okay, wow, that's a lot higher than what you put into it. Yeah. You put in yeah. about 280? Yeah. 280, and then it ran at 400. Now, was that a commercial valuation based on rental or just pure bricks and mortar? To be honest with you, I think 
the 400 was commercial, and I think the bricks and mortar was about 385, 390. I mean, that's still... Oh, it's know. still... Yeah, it's really... Uh, and did you expect good. it to be that high? Um, We knew it was going to be pretty good. I mean, I, I always thought about 350. Um, so that's, yeah, it, well, it did come back better. And why did you get this post office space which sounds pretty big for it to get 10 beds in for 150 grand i mean i know we're in the north we're talking the north so everything's cheaper but like was something particularly wrong with it or no it had been sat for a while the guys who were selling it were emigrating or they've already emigrated they went i think they went to spain um so it was sat and it were on the market i'd never clicked on the commercial button on right move never some that reason i just never ever clicked it and i've I've been listening or watching something on facebook that i thought oh i'll try that and the first one that came up because it's probably a mile down the road from me and and it was this building so we i think we we had about 16 rooms then so we'd had three or four hmos up and running so we were looking for something um and we went to view and we knew it had worked, the area and everything like that. Um, we met the owners and we just got, I think it were on the market for 160. Um, and we ended up at 150, so we knew it had worked. It was just um, just a totally different beast to what I've used What made you go for a 10-bed HMO instead of, say, splitting it into, I don't know, like five different flats, title splitting it and refinancing it? Like what... Why a, a huge HMO? Which some people might say, "Oh, who's going to rent that?" Because it's like there's so many people in the space. Like, what was your thought yeah. process behind that? Um, I mean, at the first, even the HMO planning guy says you'll be better off doing it as two flats, and you've you've got this exit strategy and stuff like that with it. But to be fair, we, I don't know why we didn't go with it. We just we had this idea. This is what we wanted, and we wanted to push forward with the ten bed and. We'd originally set it out so it's it's like two individual fives. It's got a kitchen on each floor, communal area on each floor, um, separate bathrooms on each. So apart from the corridors, it's once you're up, you're up. Um, there's no reason for them to mix in a way. So it works on that way. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, there's a massive learning curve on everything on that one. So what, what were the learnings that you, you made from that big project? Um, I don't think we've got long enough, really. <laughs> um, God, the planning, um, the beginning. If I if I do it now, I'd go knock on every door, um, just let them know what his plans are, what we're thinking of doing, and and just get the reaction from the the neighbours, um, and not just the neighbours, the town, because everybody jumped on us, um. The mayor, the um, the local MPs, local press, um, everybody jumped on it. So we had a lot of objections. Um, so yeah, that the the planning side, and they pushed that right to the. Basically, we it, it came down to a vote between the local MPs. Um, I forgot the name of it. Where they all, they basically argue for for a load of time, really, and we have to pay somebody to represent us giving my views on it and stuff like that. Um, we won it in the end. I think it was 
five votes to four, so it was close. But um, it, I mean, it went through. Um, and then after that, yeah, the work started, which, it, yeah, it, I mean, it, it went well. It, it went well, but it was just a, a different. I didn't realise you needed the acoustic test on anything above six. Um, so that really worried me um, because I've done the acoustic test in flats where you separate it within your floors, your impact noise and your airborne. But I couldn't get my head round the flanking from door to door because they actually tested every pretty much every bedroom um, up and below each other and then next to each other um, it's alright building a big wall with an acoustic but you've got so much flanking between a door so for so many months I was just batting away on a building that I just thought well how can I stop flanking on fruit doors and stuff like that so it did worry and stress me quite a lot on that side of it but what do you mean yeah. flanking? It's basically no noise um, escaping and getting ah. into other rooms. Um, ah, okay. So it's yeah. And then on on that planning thing, why did like the whole? Why were the townsfolk out with their pitchforks and fires? Like, why didn't they? Yeah. Uh, why didn't they approve? Or why were they objecting? Because an HMO screams drugs. Um, and drunks and, and down and, and outs yeah. and, 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 and that sort of thing where they're putting the lowest of the low in that building and they're going to be robbing and causing problems. Saviour's Trust got chucked around a few times saying that's what that's who got it. Um, the local MPs meet in, a, in the library every Saturday. So I went, I went and introduced myself to them and it was very frosty. Um, until I said I'm a local lad investing in the area, and then it just changed. They just, what do you mean you're a local lad? Where are you from? And I told them, and they knew my wife's mum and dad, and all, so they understood me then. Um, but they said, look, it's too late. That's in now, and and yeah. So if if I could go back, I'd go meet them all first and tell them, look, we're thinking of doing this. What do you think? show them round. Um, I mean, the local press got hold of it and they run with it. An, an MP from out of area, I think it was one of the MPs in our area, asked, and asked if she'd do a, a write-up about it to try and put people to, to stand against it. Because it was, one of the words, detrimental to the local area. Um, wow. That's... <laughs> that's so interesting i i guess your northern charm came a little bit too late in that situation but at least moving forwards now like you know what to do and i guess it it also kind of highlights like the world's or community's lack of understanding of like what a hmo can be which it can be what you said but you know it's like a kind of point blank oh we don't know what it is unknown we're just going to reject it straight away yeah. instead of oh, Craig, tell us more about this, let's understand it, and then make a decision. And it's just like the hysteria of just people, you know, maybe being jobs worth some of them just to, you know, reject for the sake of it. So that's 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 the kind of problem you don't want in property. I think property has enough problems as, you know, dealing with bricks and mortar. You don't need all of that stuff, right? No. So if we zoom out and look at your kind of portfolio from a, from a hole right now, what, what does it look like? Uh, a bag of worms. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
what we've got now, we've got 39 rooms over, I think it's nine HMOs. We've got one, two, seven flats, four service accommodation. Um, one, I think one house, I think we rent out now. Um, I think it's a good problem to have, not knowing how many properties you have. Yeah, I, I mean, now, because we've got the letting, we set up the letting business, um, I don't really, I, I'm i on the track forward, and then I pass I pass it to the team behind, and they manage it, look after it, and I tend to forget about it, unless there's a major problem with any of the build side, and they don't know how was that put together, and where's this pipe, where's this cable, blah de blah um, I don't really deal with it. Um, so, yeah, sometimes I, I tend to lose. I just forget them, to be honest with you. I, I don't, I don't, um, I just get stuck into the next one. So then, you know, all these kind of properties, roughly how much passive income are they bringing you a month? To be honest with you, I'm not too sure. I think it's around about between 8 and 10K. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for you, is is that freedom in the sense that you could stop working tomorrow if you wanted to and just chill? I never would. Um, <laughs> I enjoy my job too much, I'm weird. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I suppose I could. I mean, in, in theory, if for what we've done now, that is my pension and what I originally set out for. Um, so in, in a way, I, I probably could be done. Um but I'll always plod and find something to smash the bits, to be fair. <laughs> so you've done nine HMOs, right? So, yeah. you know, with HMOs, I think the main concern people have is like, I've got X many rooms, I'm going to have voids, I'm going to have tenants who don't get along, I'm going to have idiots in the property, etc., etc. How have you managed the kind of internal aspects of a HMO and the people? Or has it been outsourced to your team and they just... They just have to get it done. Yeah, in, well, as we were going, we've learned through the mistakes as as we. I mean, I used to do all the vetting, I'd meet them, get a rough idea of who they are and what they're about, um, and stuff like that. At the beginning, give them my number. If there's any problems, give me a ring. Um, and understood. Yeah, it's we obviously we've evolved from that now, where there's said numbers for things like that. Um, but in the early days, it was it was just constant um, grief and bobbing room tools, nicknames, Easter egg. Somebody's nicking me brown sauce and somebody's using me frying pan. It was just stuff like that. Where I've just had to get harder and harder with it where I've in some cases just swore at them and just told them to throw <laughs> you're all adults. I like talk, that. Talk to each other. But yeah, it's made the business better because we understand it. Um, we put procedures in place of um, maintenance and everybody, certain people do certain checks when they go. Um, so we're pretty much on the ball with it now. Um, but you can't, you do get constant crap, um, silly stuff. Hmm, okay. it's, that's just the nature of the beast i think yeah no of course and then you know all the pictures i see of you being quite hands-on in in some of your properties you know are you someone who will jump in with the trades and start joining them as they're working or are you keeping it quite hands length or arm's length or i'm always about i'm uh, 
I did try. I had six months where I, I just tried to project manage and I got everybody in, but I just, I got worse. I, I wasn't productive. Uh, I'd, I'd be laid on bed in the afternoon. I'd, I'd nod off. <laughs> and I just, my mind were everywhere. I'd, I need to be, 100, not 100 mile an hour, but I need to have a lot on to then focus and work better. Um, so I tend to, I've, I've replaced myself with the joinery. Um, being a kitchen fitter, that will, that will my main bit. Um, I've got a couple of joiners in now. So I just tend to, I do the crap in a way. I, I tend to do the jobs that nobody really bothered for and I just plod about um I do meetings in between in days um yeah I'm, I like to be in Miss Scruff so it's just that's just me I just yeah I find I find there's always something to do yeah always 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 so then you know do you find time to relax what do, what do you do in your spare time what's your passion outside of property I once bought a mountain bike um, <laughs> and I think I've only been to a pub on it, <laughs> which is a mile away. That's that's an adventure. It's, that's yeah. It's I have not got an hobby. Um, my hobby's always been this. Um, it's I don't have that. Oh, it's working morning. Um, my wife's always Danielle's always said, oh, on a, on a Sunday, oh, I don't want to go to work tomorrow. I can't be bothered, and I've never had that feeling. Um, even when I did kitchens, it, I just enjoyed what I do. Um, I haven't got a boss. Um, it's very rare I get irate with lads. Everybody does what they do, and yeah, it's um, it's something I do. I well, again, I've I've got some golf clubs, but I think they're underneath now, probably about twenty drums of cable. Um, some loft installation somewhere in garage um so that's what i want to get into i think more for networking as well and just i do need to get a release because i think as i'm getting old um it i mean it's a long way off i hope but um i do need to i do need that release and to just get away from it because the bigger the, the portfolio gets the stress levels i think in some cases rise with it as well yeah I think that's so that's so kind of good to hear. Not not in a sense that you don't have a release, but in that you have always been and are still so passionate about what you do that you don't think, oh, it's Sunday, let me just lie in, or it's I can't be bothered. Which, you know, as passionate as we all are, you know, we we do get that sometimes. But and I, I know I know you would as well. But I think the fact that your passion maintains you and has done for so long is like is amazing. And I think that leads to like happiness, right? Because <laughs> you know if you do, if you want to keep doing what you're doing like you have found something that actually makes you truly happy mm. then you don't need to get angry about or emotive or, or kind of care too much or or get too involved so that's kind of you know i know you, you're looking for a release as well but at the same time the fact that you found a career or life like this is is a pretty big thing do you think it is i've always from being that young age of 19 20 21 I always thought if if I can just be smashing houses to bits every day as my job, I'll be happy. And sometimes you've got to look back and think, hang on a minute, I am actually doing what I've always wanted to do. You know, when you have those those bad days where you're um, chasing money and 
tradesmen's not turned in or whatever and you just you, you get a bit wound up with it but it's yeah it's it's apart now. Well, no, it's it's <laughs> it's definitely something that I guess you know you may not realize it, but others would look kind of look up to you and say, "Wow, you know, I'm looking for my thing that makes me happy." It doesn't have to be property; it could be anything. Um, yeah, and it's it's just wonderful to see that you've kind of found that right. So, you mentioned you have a lettings agency, right? Um, talk me through like kind of I guess getting that set up because I know a lot of people say you know when I reach x amount of properties might as well set one up because you know tax efficiency blah 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 there's loads of reasons but like how was it for you setting up a kind of office based branded official kind of business that would be customer facing to an extent um pretty easy because I gave somebody else the job (laughs) (laughs) um I I a good friend of mine is Sean Hubie is um He's been always been very computer and systems, and um, I approached him about four or five years ago, and I just said, "Look, what do you think of this? Do you do you, do you fancy helping me with it, or basically just doing everything?" Um, <laughs> helping me, aka doing everything. Just please. just do everything. <laughs> I'm going to pass you these houses and learn the process, and he's been absolutely golden. Um, work ethic like mine from an office point is is there. Um, and to be fair, the lettings is pretty much his baby now because he's he he covers that side hundred percent. I've hundred percent confidence in everything. I dip in and out. Um, we when we're bringing on new landlords or something like that, and, and meet them and talk them through because he's is the office side. I'm the trade side where I can we can understand and and point out issues if if there is. Um, but it's only something recently we've just started to push out to other landlords because we wanted to build our confidence up, have the problems, um, so at least we had that experience and how to handle things. Um, so yeah, it's only recently are, are going to be pushed more in our in our area. Hmm. Okay. Cool. Well, Craig, look, we've actually reached almost the end of the show. Um, I right. think you and me could talk for a while. I yeah. think, you know, when I'm up in your part of town, we'll have to go for a drink. Maybe you could come on your mountain bike. I don't know. Up to you. Um, I'll have to, yeah, I'll have to dig it out. I'm sure it's in there somewhere. <laughs> Underneath the uh, the building tool. So look, um, <laughs> for everyone listening as well, you're also giving out two 15-minute, half-an-hour free um, coaching, mentoring, consultation phone calls, right? So um, everyone listening, in order to win these, um, please follow the Tej Talks page on Instagram, um, like and share the Facebook page, leave a review on iTunes podcast app or on the Facebook page if you don't have anything Apple and I'll automatically enter you in and we'll pick the winner in about 14 days and if you want to pick Craig's brain on anything, send him your spreadsheets, um, me up for a coffee, whatever it is, this is your chance to do so. Are you cool with that Craig? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. It's not coffee though. I'm I'm a tea man. <laughs> For tea then? Is it green tea or is it Earl Grey or is it English? No, just just um, good old Yorkshire tea. Good old Yorkshire tea. Love it. So this takes us to the quick fire round. Now I'm going to put you on the spot a bit. So we need some quick thinking, quick quick answers. Now, what have been your biggest three challenges in property? Uh, tenants, acoustic. Uh, planning 
Interesting. I love how acoustic is 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 number two. Yeah. <laughs> That's the first time I've heard that. I love that. <laughs> um, and what three things in your life have contributed the most to your success? Anything? Probably wife and kids. That's. Mm-hmm. That's okay. what I've drawn up. <laughs> <laughs> I told you I was going to put you on the spot. I know. <laughs> no, that that's a good answer. Um, and then, you know, you've got quite a few years in property. If you had to give three tips to people who are, you know, starting out, people who were you, you know, 17 or so years ago, what would you say? Uh, don't rush. Um, educate. That's, Yeah. Take your time, educate yourself. Okay, awesome. Well, look, Craig, thank you so much for coming on the Tesh Talks podcast. It's been an interesting chat for sure. Um, I'm really looking forward to getting this out there and I think people are going to take some good value from it. And um, yeah, everyone get following Craig Mitchell on Facebook. And what what's your Instagram handles for everyone? It's uh, Yorkshire Property Investor. The Yorkshire Property Investor, it should be, right? You are the... Yeah, it should investing. be. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and um, what's your favourite podcast? <laughs> to be honest with you, I don't really. Well, it's obviously ours. Um, that, that's that's all I need to know. Cool. Yeah. Question answered. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much again. And um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to getting this out there. Yeah, and no, I appreciate your time, mate. I really enjoyed it. If you like this podcast, connect with Tej on Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube for more great content.